Thank you, worship team, for singing us on in and welcoming the Lord into this time. I invite you, fam, to pray with me. Lord, we're grateful that we get to give ourselves away, that, that this is not our life. It is one that you've blessed us with as a gift that we get to give back to you. Would you allow the, the, the preaching time to, to be similar? And that you've given us your word. And now, Lord, let us proclaim your word that it might bring you glory, bring you joy, and spur us on to live for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. When you think of 2020, what image comes to mind? What's the image that's in your mind that, that'll sit there? Now, now, for my folks that's in the chat, uh, don't, don't, y'all, don't y'all jump on and start typing no, no craziness because I got babies and kids watching on the chat. So uh, uh, don't, don't you come with a crazy image. But if I could be honest, I think the image that a lot of us conjure up for 2020 is an image that's not so pleasant. What if I asked you the top three situations that took place this year that, that stand out in your mind? Top three. I bet, I bet I could probably name them. Here we go. Number one is a, actually, I, 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 if I even went for it and I described something that might be a little bit negative, I'm pretty sure that I'm probably hitting somebody's number one. Probably like, how did pastor know? Maybe you got a a flat tire on your car when you was headed for a a job interview or your first day on the job got that flat tire. Family, we've had some uh, interesting times and some challenges during this year. But one of the things I want to uh, remind us of is, 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 is this opportunity we have to trust Christ in the midst of some challenges. Today's sermon is going to be called Make a Choice. Make a Choice. Why? Because in the midst of some very challenging things going on, top three might be COVID, COVID, and COVID. We also had an interesting alignment of an electoral year. And uh, you know how they hit us every four years. This is the most important presidential race to ever happen in history. And you start to feel the weight. You start to feel the, 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 the tension, the burden on your shoulders. And then we start to get to this day called Super Tuesday. We build up, build up, build up the Super Tuesday. And then Super Tuesday is supposed to be over. But Super Tuesday feels like it just ended yesterday at noon on Saturday. This was the longest Super Tuesday I've ever been a part of. But what's supposed to happen is after this build up to Super Tuesday, afterwards, there's supposed to be a sense of, <sighs> we, got, we got through it. <sighs> the election happened and we can breathe now. <sighs> Some of that burden is relieved and relieved and our man or woman won or my man or woman did it. And either way, we move 
forward and feel a little relieved and I'm not sensing relief. I'm actually not sensing that many people feel a sense of maybe your candidate won, but unfortunately we're seeing the buildup to the candidates being chosen being so messy, so nasty, so tense that the tension continues to linger. The tension is still with us. If it's been resolved by the election, actually, we've got some deeper problems to solve. And so I want you to turn with me to Psalm 119. This psalm is a psalm that, uh, that, that's going to give us insight into the biblical writer's situation of turmoil, a situation of tension, a situation where, where in the midst of something going on, he feels this weight upon him. And he gives us some answers for what to do with that type of weight, that type of tension, that type of unresolved burden. Now, Psalm 119 is a short psalm. <laughs> so I see the longest psalm in the Bible, the longest chapter in the Bible has 176 lines and it's and it's based off of the alphabet. So just as we have an alphabet out uh, A, B, C, D, Aleph, Beit Gimel is, is the Hebrew alphabet. But the Hebrew alphabet is a little, a little more interesting. The Hebrew alphabet is not just a, a placeholder. It is also an image. So when you think of an, a letter in the Hebrew alphabet, you think of an image and a picture comes to mind. This, this image is one of a door. It's one of a, of a door. Actually, you think of a, a tent door that would be raised up from the bottom, and that's how you would enter in. Stephen Albert says, the idea is that on one side of the door is a place of need, and on the other side of the door is a place of abundance. So that letter, the Dalit, is a place of need on one side, place of abundance on the other side. And what we are going to look at is how the biblical writer used the alphabet to lay out 119. It's, it's simply a, a, a poem that he's using to, to share his biblical journey. So for the first letter, you see Aleph. Alpha, you see the, the, the A as it were. The way that that would be shared is you got an A, and then you have eight lines, and each of those eight lines starts with an A. The next one would be bait, B, eight lines. Each of the letters that starts that sentence starts with a B. So we are going to look at Dalif, starting in verse 25. That's why you see that word there. That's uh, one that you're not familiar with. It's showing you the Hebrew alphabet and how there's eight verses aligned with each. So start with me in verse 25. 
My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to the word. According to your word. This refers to a, 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 a process. The inability of the soul being able to free itself from the dust. I, uh, I, I like to kick it with my family. We like to, to go out and, and sometimes we go to the beach. But one thing that most people don't know about me is I do not like sand. I, I shouldn't say it like that. I like sand when I'm at the beach kicking it. I do not like sand when it's time to leave the beach. I hate sand in between my feet. I hate sand in my car. I hate sand in my seat. I have not yet been able to figure out how to get in the water, allow the water to rinse off my feet, and then get from the water to the car without getting any sand on my feet again. Ends up on my flip-flops, ends up in between the toes. And, and, and what the, the biblical writer is saying here. Is that, is that this dust is almost like beach sand. It clings to him. It is, it is with him, and, and this dust is described like what, what God says in Genesis 3.19, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall Return. That was after the fall. This this dust. We don't know if it's a illness and sinful posture that he has that's within or if it's a pressure that he's feeling. Either way, it's something that he can't shake. It's something that he would like to be rid of and he can't get it off of him. It clings to him. Clings to him. And so you see, he he enters into sharing this posture on which side of the door? Is he on the side of the door of need or on the side of the door of abundance? At this time, this dust is clinging to him and he's sharing his need. Continue with me. But give me life according to your word. You see, the the image that you have is one of a man that understands his tension, but knows where his help comes from. That's the enter through this doorway for abundance. And his help comes from a life lived according to the word. Continue with me in verse 26 and 27. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. You see, there's a, 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 a process that, that each of us must go through. Not simply one where God comes and shows and exposes and reveals all things. But also one where we must be willing to offer up to God all things. Verse 26 says, I told of my ways. There's a a bit of 
contriteness, a bit of opening up the heart, a bit of being one that's willing to share with God what it is that's going on, what this burden is, what this weight is, what this tension is. And sometimes we choose to keep it in. But the Lord is a key part of the equation of us being able to move towards abundance. And he says it first starts with us telling of what we are experiencing. If you were to pause and ask yourself, how are you doing with the weights and the burdens? Would anyone know? Would God know? Are you simply pushing your head down, plowing forward, continuing on with the same old regiment? Or is is the weight of what you're carrying different? And so the confession or the talking to the prayer, the communication, the dialogue with God looks different now. Because the weight is different. It should. There's been times when, uh, when I've, I've found myself on the, on the wrong side of the door, when I had great need. And in that need, I, I chose to, to keep it contained to myself. I chose to worry about what other people thought. I chose to worry about what people would think of me if I was wrestling with this, if I thought these things. God gives us a beautiful opportunity to have community, but sometimes I felt that way with God. What would God think if I actually put words to the depth of that, to the depth of that anger, to the depth of that pain, to the depth of that sadness? But God wants us to tell of the ways that we are carrying these burdens, and he answers us. And when he answers us, he reminds us of the beauty of his scriptures. 1 John 5, 14 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. He hears us. This God is waiting for us, desiring for us to come and make things known, to tell of the ways and the burdens and the tensions that we are carrying. It says, make me understand. Make me understand the way of your precepts. Now, understanding is a little bit different. See, there's like knowledge where you just get content, but understanding is actually what you go to do. Understanding is an action. Understanding is is how you are going to respond based on the knowledge that you have. The the interesting thing about understanding is the onus tends to be on the believer. The onus is on the person. It's not on simply God providing it. It's actually, now I've given you understanding. What will you do with it? Make me understand so I may live, so I may act, so I may respond in faithfulness to your precepts. One of the early church fathers named Augustine of Hippo, a black church father, says this. He says, 
So teach me that I may act, not merely that I may know how I ought to act. For as it is said of the Lord, that he knew not sin, and it is understood that he did not sin, that, that he did no sin. So also he ought truly to be said to know righteousness. And who does that? This is the prayer of the one who is improving, that we would be doing righteous works. That we would be doing righteous works, acting on the understanding that the Lord provides. But there's a caution. Please don't don't be a person that gets information and understanding and then doesn't act on it. Be careful to have understanding and not apply it. We get a chance to read God's word. He opens it up to us and gives us an opportunity to respond. And, and, and Christian folk can start to get into this lull. We can start to slip into this, this, this kind of like Christian hovering where we're like, oh, yeah, I read that scripture a bunch of times. I'm crazy familiar with that. Yeah, I know that. Let me get to a part of the Bible that I already know. One other litmus test for, for like a, a, a need for a kind of a spiritual rebirth is when you constantly read the Bible, you're thinking about how good scriptures are for other people. Oh, what's going to call it? This would be good for them. And this would be good for them. But no, there's a there's a a purpose in understanding God's word so that we may act on it so that we can apply it into our own lives. Verse 28 and 29. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. Fam, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing the, the, the souls of people melting away for sorrow. I'm, I'm hearing the, 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 the weight that people are carrying right now. And, 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 it's, and it's breaking my heart. You know what I'm hearing? Uh, I'm hearing black people that are struggling with authority figures right now that are white. I'm hearing uh, white people that are worried that they'll be thrown in the groups of folks that are like, very uh, um, racially charged and they don't want to be misunderstood with this group. I'm hearing uh, uh, Christians that may have voted Democrat feeling really bad uh, or feeling misjudged as if they are uh, advocates of abortion now because they voted Democrat. I'm hearing all these different type of ways that people are struggling with being misunderstood, but I'm also hearing an anger. I'm hearing, yeah, maybe my guy won, but the things that were thrown my way, the, the slurs, the misaccusations, the verbal cuts, 
have me in pain and I'm still ready to lash out even though my guy and my girl won or I'm hearing my guy lost. And the ways in which our society is moving, I can't trust anything from media to elections and so I have this pain and this tension and this anger. Sadly, just a a few days ago, we were seeing some of that all meet out ahead here in the D, down at what used to be Kobo, TCF Center, counting all the tickets and counting all the ballots, and there's this, this, this mashup of anger. But I also now see the, the residual effects of that anger because there were people there that felt like, man, my humanity was challenged. As a black person counting the ballots, it seemed like people didn't even value me as a human. And there's now a ripple effect that has to happen from that painful experience. You see this? There's a a, a, a dust of flesh that rise up and clings to us. And the only remedy that we are going to be able to have, family, is not being able to just double down and learn and read and research and do stuff. Like, the only remedy is going to be God's word. The only thing that's going to free us from knee-jerk feelings and knee-jerk responses as people are now trying to say, well, that's over, but but the pain of what was caused is not yet over. Now how do I respond? Do I respond with hate? Do I respond by saying I won and now I put my foot on the necks of who comes next? Do I respond with with anger and Facebook jabs and Instagram posts and and? Family, sometimes, I want to be honest, we don't respond by by trying to find our peace and our joy in Christ. We respond, actually, by tapping into more things that feed us, feed our flesh, feed the the dust. I was looking at just a, a little chart about party affiliations and how the news defines the, the, the constituency of people that actually choose to view their news. If, if you are a viewer, where would you say you line up as you look at this specific news channel? You can see how, how, how different news media leans a certain way. Some might be leaning a little bit and some is trying to do that Michael Jackson. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't get it, y'all. But I mean, if you Fox News or if you MSNBC and in this last week, two weeks, two months, did I spend more time listening to my news of choice, or did I spend more time 
grabbing God's word? Did I acknowledge that this dust was clinging to me and that I'm in a state of need because I feel the emotions rising. I feel the anger bubbling. I feel the hurt when others see me as less than a human. And where do I run to? NPR? The Times? ABC? Like where, where do I run to? You see, family, we have these, 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 this, this soul that is melting away for sorrow, but the thing that cares for us and builds us back up is the strengthening that God gives us according to his word, but it's very easy to, verse 29, put false ways right next to us, not far from us. Put false ways and false news and false ads and false Instagram and false posts and keep it right here close to us. The beautiful thing that God does is he allows us to renew our minds. And I'm not saying that that for every news show you need to watch two like read 10 chapters to like balance that out. I'm not saying that for every 30 minutes of news, you need an hour of of Bible reading. I'm not saying what I am saying, though, is that understanding to be able to to challenge, to 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 wrestle with this tension, to be able to actually handle this burden that's been given to much of America. You're going to need something more powerful than the news. You're going to need something more powerful, more redeeming, more reviving, more life-giving. You're going to need the word of God. And so that's why we look at some ways in which God says, you want to enter into, enter through this door? You want to experience the abundance that I have? Then I'm going to need you to make a choice. Look here at verses 30, 31, and 32. It says, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me, put, let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. When you enlarge my heart. I've chosen the way of faithfulness. I was uh, at home and I was doing a, a, a work project. And uh, this little motivational speaker came on. I'm, you know, I'm doing a work project and somehow he like jumped into my YouTube that I was listening to. I didn't feel like stopping and skipping the ad. I was doing my thing and he jumps on and he says, I think it was Eric Thomas or one of those, uh, one of those guys. And he said, you know, the, the, the thing that's important for for people to do is to follow through. If you, if you get up and you say you're going to do these three things, follow through and do them. And then it's funny, I was talking to my wife the other night, and she was like, hey, like, you know, you keep saying this, this thing is important to you. And I know your weeks get crazy, but, but every week could get crazy. So how do you make sure it's, it's important enough where you put the time and you execute it and you follow through? And what the guy was saying was a, a biblical statement that we all know is let, let your yes be a yes 
You know, being no Matthew 5, 37, it's like, like, like follow through. Do what you say you're going to do. Verses 30, 31 and 32 are choices where we have the opportunity to follow through for God. We have an opportunity to, to take steps forward, where we have an opportunity to make a choice to experience the abundant life that God has for us. Verse 30, I've chosen the way of faithfulness. I've chosen the way of faithfulness. I've set your rules before me. I've chosen that way. I'm going to make a choice. It is a decision. God is the one who has birthed us something in us, opened our eyes so that now we can see and we have understanding with that understanding, what will we do? Choose the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. It was uh, only been a couple times that I've been to a, a, a nice jewelry store. I've been to some, some pawn shops before. Don't worry, boo, your ring looking good. I ain't get it from, the, I ain't get it from Bubba's pawn shop. Uh, but I, I, I went to a, a nice ring store. And at the nice ring stores, they, they do a couple tests to make sure that, that what, the, what the diamond has been, that has been given to them actually meets their standards. So they'll mess around, look it up, hold it to the light, and then they'll like test it for its hardness, for, for some of the, the ways that it's cut. And then they pull out something that allows them to see it with greater, greater clarity. They pull out this thing called a loop or a magnifying glass, and they look at, pull up the diamond, and they look at it according to how the loop magnifies. It's their, their filter for being able to see with clarity. See, verse 30 says, I've chosen the way of faithfulness. I've set your rules before me. It is God's word that operates as our ability to see with clarity. His rules, not my rules, not your rules. It is God's rules set before us that, that, that we, and, but, but every day we get a, to choose. Will I choose my lens or God's lens? Will I choose a worldly lens because no matter what, we're choosing a lens. It's will it be set on God's rules that are set before us so that we can walk in faithfulness? Or will it be verse 31, where we choose to cling to God's testimonies? Let me be not put to shame. We choose to walk in these ways where, where we remind ourselves of God's word and how he comes through. His word testifies to his character. His character shows us that he is dependable, that he is the truth. And so we get opportunities to remind ourselves of his truth. Why do we need that in times when we feel great tension? Why do we need that in times when we feel weighed down, where we feel heavy, where we feel ready to lash out? Why do we need that? Because we need to be reminded, and I know I need to be reminded 
that God is victorious and we don't have to act in sin in order to win. I was going to bring in a, a big old container of quarters. Because to me, contort, quarters can sometimes be like the image of patience. You know, you're dealing with somebody and you feel like y'all are getting into it and they can't hear you. You're like, okay, I'm going to give you one quarter patience, another quarter of patience, another quarter of patience. Before you know it, you got a stack of quarters. But see, for me, I know I got a limit. You got $2.50 worth of quarters. That's all you're getting, homie. Once we get to 275, I'm gonna take this jar quarter. See, sorry, y'all ain't supposed to do that, right? I know, but, 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 but isn't isn't that what it looks like inside? How how sometimes we we allow the testimony of God to be. I need to take control. I need to let my my anger win. I need to let my my cutting you with smooth words win. Instead of saying no, I can be patient because. God got this. I can do what he says of love my enemy because God got this. I can be humble in the midst of somebody that even thinks that I'm not, I'm less of a human. Why? Humility doesn't mean get walked over. Humility doesn't mean trampled. Humility, but I don't have to flex to show you how hard I am. Why? Because God got this and he has shown it again and again and again in his word and in our lives. And so we cling to God's testimonies, O Lord. And lastly, we will run in the of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Run, make a choice. To choose the way of faithfulness, make a choice to cling to testimonies, make a choice to run in the way of God's word. There is a, uh, a, a, a story that I think helps to model this, this heart picture because what God does, is he infuses our heart and gives us the opportunity to be able to respond. There was uh, uh, this this story in our daily bread from the Spanish-American War. Uh, Clara Barton was overseeing the work of the Red Cross in Cuba. Uh, One day, Colonel Theodore Roosevelt came to her, wanted to buy some food for his sick and wounded soldiers, the Rough Riders, but she refused to sell him any. Roosevelt was perplexed. His men needed the help, and he was prepared to pay out of his own funds. When he asked someone why he could not buy the supplies, he was told, Colonel, you can't buy them. Just ask. Just ask for it. A smile broke over Roosevelt's face. Now he understood the provisions were not for sale. All he had to do was simply ask, and they would be given freely family, we get the the beautiful opportunity to see God do something in our hearts where he's saying, my daughter, my son, I want to take this burden from you. I want to free you from this tension that you're carrying. I recognize that it's heavy. 
I understand that your shoulders are starting to hurt. I understand that sometimes you've been crying. I understand that you have anger. But know that I long to hear from you. And the thing that I want is not that you would pay it off by making choices, not that you would earn it with clinging to testimonies, but that you would run to walk in these commandments because I am ready, willing, and desire to bless you, to walk with you, to free you, to relieve you of those tensions. And all it costs is you making a choice. Making a choice. A choice to choose faithfulness. A choice to believe God's testimony. A choice to say, I'm going to stand more on your commands than any other voice in the room. Fam, I know that we are experiencing some some difficult days. I, uh, I have cried <laughs> in the past couple months. Uh, I have struggled in the past couple months. But this word is a word that is not simply for us as we think about the political election. How do you deal with tension? How do you deal with burdens? How do you deal with pain? How do you deal with anger? We must go to God's word. We must go to God's word. We've been blessed to have an amazing Savior who walks with us, supports us, and guides us. Lastly, this psalmist frees us up to run the race that's been set before us. This image of running is one where we do so in a manner where there's a a, a beautiful picture of, of a way that you could live your life established on God's word or You can live your life established on your own. What choice will you make? What choice will you make? Let us pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the ways that you've been leading. I thank you that we can come to you, Lord, with burdens brokenhearted about the injustices that have happened where older women, seniors were treated unfairly, treated unkind as they were trying to count ballots. But Lord, I got to believe that there was a measure of faith that allowed them to demonstrate a resolve, a posture, a peace that would not be shaken. Hallelujah. Would you give us all that type of peace? Not because of our own strength and our own doing, because we know it is you that that do something in our hearts that give us the ability to make a choice, to trust in your testimonies, 
to live according to your word, to see life with a new lens, and to respond in action based on understanding you've given us. Free us up, Lord. Let your word speak to us in these coming days. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Family, if you are a a person that's been walking with Jesus for some time, uh, I simply say, spend some time in the word. In this season where we're being challenged with so many voices, spend some time in the word. And if you are a person that's starting this process with Christ or you are not sure of if Christ is your Lord or you would like today to accept Christ into your heart, our offer to you is simply this. It is the best choice you could ever make. Why? Because what Christ takes is a connection, a a pattern, a cycle, a continued rhythm of of choosing unhealth, of choosing pain, of choosing what we call sin and death. And what Christ does is say, I will take that pattern, break that pattern, and give you new life. To be free, to not walk, run a race where you are constantly choosing sin, but actually you can run a race now where you get to choose joy, choose life, choose Christ. And so today we offer that opportunity to you that the Lord, our God, has forgiven you for your sins. And today you simply need to start by saying, Lord, I believe you. I trust that you are God. I trust that you have forgiven me for my sins. Died so that I could live. And I want to live for you. It's a, it's a prayer that we pray. Simply saying the words is one thing. Them having meaning in your heart is another. And we hope that both happen. That the confession that is verbal or the confession that you've said actually is, is a sign of what's taking place in your heart. And we want you to be able to walk with Jesus today. If you've prayed that prayer, we, we want to invite you to do two things. One, uh, after service, we're going to have a, a Zoom call where I would love to talk to you about next steps in Christ. Uh, and then second, uh, we're going to take now something called communion. Communion is a, 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 a ritual that church members do to remind us of a command that Christ gave to us. He commanded that we would remember what he has accomplished on the cross and what he has provided us. On the cross, he died so that we could live and he's provided us victory over sin.